Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Life on Earth podcast. I hope you're having an amazing beginning of this new year. And today I am here to sit with my very, very, very special guest, (laughs) Sonia Zong. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Natalie and Life on Earth listeners. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, this is a very special episode and I think you guys will, will understand, but also... Sonia, I'm so excited to have you because I feel like you and I work really well together. I have a team that have been working with me. I call, I say, I always say it's Team Shanti Yoga. And there's, you know, a lot of people that have been amazing contributors to to the shala, to the brand, to the trainings. And you and I, you have just been fantastic. I feel like we work so well together and you have been a major contributor really to a lot of the stuff that has been going on in the studio and the blogs and the writing and you moved to Mexico we'll get into all that but it's so amazing that you can work out of anywhere and contribute to all this beautiful thing that we're creating together so thank you thank you Natalie that means a lot to me and it also is very cool for me and very much an honor to be able to stay so close to the Shanti team even though I did move to another country I love working with you yeah, so Sonia is a, gra- is a yogi. She's also a graduate of our teacher training. And Sonia also does a lot of the blogging and we contribute together. And she does research for even like for this, for Life on Earth, what you have done for the teacher training and so advertising and now doing some Facebook ads. I mean, you name it. I feel like it's what whatever it's coming up and I need. And I love your creative input. You're so on it with a lot of stuff, which is what really helps, you know, this very proactive. And it really kind of just helps get this ball rolling, which is awesome. Thank you, Nat. Yeah, it helps that it's also very interesting for me and all topics that I am also interested in and love to research. Yeah, we feel like we ha- we're growing together, which is beautiful. We Definitely. Always, we grow together with you guys, all the listeners as well, because this process of transformation, you know, there's always more. There's always so much. Friday highlights have been an amazing thing. Maybe we can speak to that since I have you on here, Sonia. So for everyone that hasn't and wants to sign up, It's just um, when we came up with this idea together and we started developing it and all the themes that we have covered, all the research you have done, I'm always looking forward to reading them and I've gotten so much compliment. Can you explain to people a little bit what our Friday highlights for us? Yeah, so basically Natalie um, has a mailing list and um, if anybody here is interested in, in getting these Friday highlights, we can put the link in the show notes. But every Friday, we choose a topic that we believe is interesting and benefits the readers to highlight. And we basically just do some research 
and put some key facts in there and links to read more or hear more if we think that's necessary or helpful. And the topics are really wide ranging. For example, one of the last ones we did was about the benefits of Manuka honey. We have one coming out that's about listening to music at 432 hertz. Um, we have done a series on chakras and mudras and basically kind of going with the flow of the seasons as well and whatever we think is relevant at that time or could be helpful to our students to read. Yeah, we've done the eight limbs of yoga and we've also done, I did one on Ojai, Ojai, California, which is one of my favorite spots and then I just told people where to stay. So that's kind of the idea that it will just be you know, anywhere from philosophical, and even if Sonia comes up with a book that she loves, or I, or anybody in our community, we just want to highlight that and share. So that's kind of it. And we, yeah, definitely going to include that in the show notes, join that list. A lot of the content that I have on the Friday highlights as well go with the trainings that I host. And now there are some of the content of Friday Highlights will also go with the platform that I use for Light Code, which is the coaching program. So I just want to apologize to everyone. I do have a cough and, you know, I'm dealing with getting over this cold and so are you, right? Yeah, getting over bronchitis. I think we're both a little bit under the weather. So Yeah, we were supposed to do it on um, like three days ago, and then we postponed it, and we postponed it. And the thing is, because we weren't feeling, you know, that great, but now it just got to the point that we really want to do it. We want to get this out, and it's just uh, so... Yes, yeah, so if we f- we sound a little raspy, that's what's going on. <laughs> I am I'm having ginger tea and turmeric right now, so that should help. And this morning, I, in the mornings, I've been waking up with a warm, uh, just a warm cup of water with some lemon that I squeeze. Mm, and if yeah. if you guys haven't heard at the episode that we speak to Ayurveda, I believe the last episode with Henri False, and that's a great. He recommends warm water and lemon in the morning. So sorry for the deviation, but just had to share that. (laughs) (laughs) And then right on cue, I coughed. So (laughs) Um, I need some of that. Okay, so we're here today to talk about um, something that's happening at Natalie's yoga studio, Shanti Yoga Shala in New Orleans. It's in the Garden District of New Orleans. And Natalie opened this studio about seven years ago. Is that right, Natalie? Seven years ago? About that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a studio that for me is really important because I actually fell into my yoga practice there. Natalie was my teacher. And then I later moved away from New Orleans and then moved back and actually went back there for my yoga teacher training. And then obviously now live in another country and work still with Natalie. So very near and dear. And Natalie has recently made the decision to close that public space of her studio for the time being for a variety of reasons, which is what we want to talk about today, how the changing market and practice of yoga affects yoga teachers and studio owners like Natalie and like some of you that may be listening. Before we, we dive deeper into this episode, I just want to take a moment here and really, you know, before I even started this conversation with you, Sonia, and started recording this podcast today, this episode, I actually sat and did a a five-minute meditation right before because I just really wanted to connect to my heart space since this is such a, 
an important transition and an important time in my life. And also the studio has meant so much for me. So I just want to begin this conversation by saying thank you to everyone that has ever stepped on the flooring, <laughs> the studio of Shanti Yoga Shala. Uh, Shala in Sanskrit, if you don't know, means cool. And so Shanti means peace. So essentially it is a peace yoga school. And this school has been transformational for so many people. I was looking in our mind-body system. This is the online system. If you don't know, most of you know what mind-body is. But uh, that would be, we've had over 10,000 students who have studied under Shanti Yoga Shala. Isn't that crazy? It is. That's so cool. Yeah, the mailing list that I had until up to about two months ago involved over 5,000 emails from the studio, from people who had given the email to be on our mailing list for various things such as retreats and trainings. Well, a caveat to that is that I actually went through a clearing, cleansing of that list recently and reduced it, which that would be like a whole other podcast. But there's something to that, too. Sometimes you want to clean and clear your your lists. And, you know, it's always a process because there's no point in just kind of hoarding all of that. But anyways, going back to the studio, it's a place that was essential for my transformation as a yoga teacher. It was essential for my transformation on an individual and a very personal level. I feel like without that platform, I probably wouldn't have uh, gotten to where I am today. And I don't only mean on a on a business level, I mean very much on an individual, like on a soul level. Also, I met so many people in that space, such as yourself, Sonia, and such as many of the listeners that are listening. So many of my students, we are family. It's a, it's definitely, a, there's a, this very real family gathering, family feeling, a yoga shala for many people. You know, a yoga studio is much more than a business. A yoga studio is a community center. It's a, pl- it's a place that people gather in that they share in the purpose of soul evolution and soul transformation. So anytime that you become that vulnerable with a group of people, it's creating space for those people to really come closer to the highest version of who they are so that they can then transform and create a better place for themselves and a better planet for everyone around them. So having been witness of that transformation, having seen that in so many people's lives, I mean, countless emails that I have gotten expressing gratitude, countless relationships that I have formed that are very much still alive and well and in my life. So, you know, to begin to explain what that space has created and done for me and and even contributed in in a sense to the community of New Orleans, I think it's endless. You know, back when we opened, there was, I remember one time we counted and it was about less than 10 yoga studios that the community had. Now, I think we have someone at the studio counted, it was like over 30 or maybe like 32, 33. So yeah, as you can see, so many studios open and many studio owners in New Orleans now are yogis who have gone through 
our trainees, 200, 300, and who have right. then, you know, opened graciously. Many of them asked, uh, sat with me and, and told me and totally had my blessings and my, you know, I'm just so happy for them. They did this and they opened their own shalas, their own shalas, who, which are vibrating now which are amazing and I'm still in contact it's like this really kind of awesome thing that I feel that we had that a lot of the studio owners know each other in New Orleans and there's there's really this sense of support to one another at least you know I can't speak for like every single one of them but the ones I know I feel really good about it which is again another thing that's so magical right it's like a very tight-knit community and everybody lifts each other up not necessarily like competing for the same space, but lifting each other up and supporting each other. Yeah, exactly. And I see, and you know, many of my students, like I said, they have their own studios now and, and I see it and it makes me really happy. And I feel like I did it. Like, you know, I did a good job. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. You did it now. I did it. <laughs> I, I think mean, it's safe to say you did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel good about it. I feel like this, you know, sense of completion. I feel like it's a, it's a job that was well done. It was also there from there. There's an initiation to a lot. You know, there's a lot of fruits that came out of that tree and they, they are now in the process of flourishing and, and I get to sit here and watch and it's so cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, you poured your mind, body, and spirit into that studio for the last seven years, and I think it really shows, um, yeah. not only students, but also in the community, as you said. Exactly. So, well done. And for people like that don't live, maybe like if you haven't experienced that, it, you know, I can tell you guys, um, well, there was the first three years I lived above the studio. <laughs> Some people could say that's crazy, but it totally worked for me because, it, I mean, I literally lived and breathed it like 24-7. The studio, since, since it's opened, it's always been open seven days a week. It's always had classes seven days a week. When it was full force, and we can talk more about that a little later in the episode, but in the first, uh, I would say, until about a year ago, a year and a half ago, it was full force from the mo- morning to uh, the last class was 8 p.m., 8.30, Monday through Thursday, and then we had a lighter schedule on the weekend, but still pretty much a lot of classes, like at least two, three classes every day on the weekend. We never really closed our doors. We're open for most holidays. I lived above the studio. We're in a really cool spot in New Orleans. We're like on Magazine Street, Uptown New Orleans, one of the one of the coolest spots. You know, if anybody, I mean, you guys that don't live in New Orleans, it'll be like, if you ever come close to Audubon Park, somewhat, that area. And there's a lot of uh, things like arts for art's sake and champagne stroll and another stroll, you know, so these all these fest- festivities, we always opened it. And so for me, it was more than just a place that people would come practice. It was, I offered meditation sessions, I offered trainings, obviously, workshops, and I also opened it to the artists. So when we would have art festivals like that, what I would do is I would see people in our community of yogis, and I would offer them you know, hey, we're, there's arts for art's sake. Would you like to perform? And some would be by themselves. Some had a band. And I mean, literally, like we had like bands that it was like, this is the opening of the band and this is the band and this is the pre-show, post-show. And, you know, in the right. studio, I mean, one time, we, I think we must have had like 300. And this place can only fit 
20 yoga mats. I mean, we can fit, you know, probably, I think we had one day like about two, 300 people like, coming in and out when we were having this this major concert. But this happened many times. We had a student who was a, he was in a Tulane art school and he was actually a teacher at, at the studio as well. He would do these um, sculptures and, you know, we opened to him as an art art gallery. You know, we've had a photography show from a few big photographers in New Orleans. We've had one time, it was another like art gallery thing that we transformed Shanti into an art gallery in the, the New Orleans newspaper when they released like top 10 places to visit in this gallery stroke. We were there. It was like Shanti <laughs> Yoga Chalet. Yeah, and we're not even like, you know, technically an art gallery. So, right. But that was very intentional. That was something that I really wanted to do. That was something that I wanted to experience as well. And so in seeing that space, like walking in, you know, I mean, you know, if a, if a photographer is doing an art show, you they have to get there early and they have to set up the whole space. And then me walking in and seeing the whole studio like transformed into this amazing like photography show or sculpture art or tea ceremony or you know whatever band rock and roll band or you know or I mean we've had sitar players I mean Indian classical music all this stuff that adds and contributed to the energy of the space which is what made it so beautiful and what made it so special and I think that people could feel it if you walked in and you rolled your yoga mat and you walked you know and you're there and this is high ceilings this is a historic building in New Orleans Garden District uptown you can feel it like this building you can't really change much so you know they're hardwood floors like very antique people could feel the energy and that's what kept people coming back you know coming back because it wasn't just you know strength and flexibility what yoga provides it was much more than that exactly there was like this whole component of it we knew every everybody I mean we are still open by the way so it's not I'm talking like we used to no we're (laughs) still it's January right now we're open until the end of January bittersweet you guys totally bittersweet Maybe by the time you'll listen to this episode, it will have closed its door. But everybody knows each other's name. And if you you don't, it's because you're not a regular there. But if you are regular there two, three times, the teachers know everybody's name. We, We would know everybody's practice. At any given time, on an average, we have about 10 yoga teachers that are active. And then we have some people that will do subbing. And sometimes we'll have like five teachers that are active, depending how the schedule is going and, you know, give and take. But all these teachers were very connected and we're very um, connected to our students as well. It's like I said, it's like a family. I also wanted to add that when when I first opened the space, I had been working in the yoga yoga world for quite a while. I mean, I had been working with yoga probably for already almost 15 years. And I had managed yoga studios and I had been teaching yoga for 15 years. I had, you know, I had done a lot a lot for in the yoga context. But it was my first yoga studio. So, I had just gotten back from a trip to India. And when I was in India, one of my teachers there, who I oftentimes, when I would go to India to study yoga and meditation and chanting and all of that, all of the above, I would study with him. And he was a a philosopher. He was like a, 
a monk almost, you know, and, and he would do these amazing rituals and ceremonies in India and people would come from all over to see. And it happened to be that he was touring the United States when I was, you know, when I had seen him in India. And I told him that I was opening my first yoga studio. And he said to me, wow, I would love to come down and bless your space. So I said to him, yes, please, and stay, stay <laughs> with me, you know, at my house. So the first month that the shala was open, we had, I had this Indian teacher of mine who came, who was a person that taught me a lot about the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, the Bhagavad Gita. I had studied with him like probably for like five years at that time. And he came wow. down and he did a puja. You know, puja is, is, a, is a ritual, it's a ceremony, and that in India, a lot of people do pujas in the morning, and it's kind of you light a candle to your altar, and you do all this. But what he did is he came, and he stayed at my house for maybe five days, and three out of those days, he would arrive at the shala like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., and he would, you know, we, he created this whole altar, which I kept the altar where I have my Ganesha and all that. And then we had a center altar as well. And he brought all these flowers each and every day. And he would bring all this water that he would bless. And he would bless every corner of the shala. And he would, he would literally do these prayers in Sanskrit for like hours from like 3 a.m. to like 6 a.m. <laughs> Wow. Which was so cool. And we would meditate. And then a couple of times we opened it to the public, you know, for he did a couple that was just private. And then a couple of times we opened it. And it was the most magical thing because it was this, this was this Indian guy from India, like in this whole white outfit and like doing these prayers in Sanskrit that were like thousands of years old you know, couldn't get more right. like authentic than that. That was kind of like the opening, you know, that was the beginning. And it was just amazing to have this. So I say this because this is why, you know, it took me a long time. I'm going to tell you guys that from the time that it crossed my mind, that perhaps I needed to close the space, or not that I needed to, but it, that it was a possibility because before that it had never crossed my mind. It was about a year ago. You've been mulling it over for a while. Perspective. Yeah. Like it took me one year to actually get there. And, and part of the reason, the reason is because of all these things that I just expressed. Because, you know, how do you, how do you let go of that and that is an attachment you know and in the yogi context one of the things that we work in this lifetime is to practice non-attachment nonetheless you know when you have a place that has built and I feel like a lot of people perhaps can uh, that are listening to this right now maybe you can identify with what I'm saying whether it was that house that you grew up you know with a childhood home or a school that you went, or a trip, something. Is there anything in your life that you, you know, when you think about it, it really, you, you maybe that you don't have anymore, you feel, what is the word in English, like melancholy? or Like nostalgic, maybe? Yeah, nostalgic. Yeah, nostalgic. You know, that you feel like, just, just that attachment, you know, with that. Right. There's an attachment to that, too. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is, no. it is what it is, 
you know, you I think just it's just deeply that. connected to some emotions that stir up when you recall those memories of that place or that thing or that experience. And that's an attachment, but it doesn't have to be bad. Yeah, exactly. And so on a very mundane level, that building, I know in my heart that, that the whole entity of what, what I do in my work is not attached to an address, obviously. Mm-hmm. However, you know, my craft is here very much alive and well. That is not closing. I don't, I don't foresee that closing unless I expire on this planet. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, it lives here. But that closing of that one location, even though I know that, that it is, we are not the location, of course there is some attachment to it. Of course that there is some, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way I can describe it. And it's taken me a long time to be able to say, okay, we're going to let it go. You know, we're going to let it go. So why don't we now continue? Because <laughs> why are we? Because then I can no. kind of, you know, I can kind of go back to, with you, Sonia, we'll go back to kind of why letting it go and stuff. So Of course. I think, this I think it's nice really helpful. Intro. Yeah. Yeah, that you give all the context so we can really feel and like visualize the community space that Shanti was and all of the beautiful things that happened there. And why it's so important to recognize all of those things as we talk about the future and like the decision to close the space. And even as we talk about that, we honor the memory of Shanti and everybody that's been through there and contributed their energy. So thank you, Nat, for the context. And I actually think we should start with what you were just speaking about your teacher from India and the connection that you had with him and how he came and blessed your studio right when it opened. And I think that's a really great place for us to start to talk about the traditional ways of teaching yoga and that connection between student and teacher, just to provide some context of that, of that student teacher connection. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Just by the way, just so for the listeners, we're uh, switching things around here today. Sonia is interviewing me today. (laughs) You're the host, Sonia. That's why it's a special that's yeah. like a special episode. <laughs> it is. I'm being interviewed. You're the hostess with the mostest. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. fun. Yeah. So when I first started doing yoga, which was, I was, I was actually started doing yoga when I was a teenager. And this was, you know, over 20 years ago. The way I was introduced to it, it was through that you would, you would meet uh, a teacher and a method of yoga that you felt close to and then you would go into your devotional space which is devotion is a very big kind of sense in yoga the devotion of the disciple the discipline the tapas what we call which is day in day out per se you are back into that space with that one master and you're learning and you're growing. And there's a really beautiful kind of teacher, teacher-student relationship in that, which is the surrendering to that which you are now, you know, believing in. And I don't mean this in a, in a sense of like a blind belief, like dogmatic, not that. But in a sense of if this is a possibility for transformation, a possibility for light, you know, for people like myself, I was certainly I was someone who was searching for more, right? What you call right. that, life's meaning, transformation, whatever it is, the light, 
I was, you can call it love. Everybody has different or higher power. Everybody has a different way to express that. But I was looking and I was, I wanted more. I, I had questions at a very early age. Why am I here? What am I doing on this planet? Is there a purpose? What is my soul's mission? What is my soul's purpose? I was asking those questions at a very young age. And then when you see a potential on someone, let's call that someone a teacher, of a light, of, you know, a transmission, of transmitting something that they know in their heart to you or in their community, then you surrender to that, you know, because you have to have faith. In the path of transformation, the path of yoga, you have to have faith. And I believe maybe in many paths, you have to have faith that what you are doing is going to take to bring you to the place that you feel that is your next level. So let's say someone right. who's running a marathon is going to train for that marathon, right? Each and every day or however many times they do. And that process of training, there's also a surrendering to, I believe if I do this every day, X, Y, Z, I will get to run that marathon or I'll complete my marathon or whatever it is, right? So there, even like if you can think, want to think about it in this way, someone who goes to college can be the same. And so... For me, that's what that meant, having, and I say this with hesitation because I think there's a big confusion nowadays. People think, oh, you know, you give all your power to the guru and look at what happens and the guru can do mm -hmm. all this stuff. Sure, of course, you know, one thing, I forgot who said this, but it was like a wise teacher, a spiritual teacher that said to me the uh, sometime, it said, you know, any time that a human being, a human being is going to have even the most enlightened human being that's going to be uh, transmitting or saying teaching, whatever it is that they're teaching, even they are still a human being, you know? I mean, we haven't transcended. Yeah. We are spiritual beings having a human existence, but we haven't transcended being a human being, at least not the ones that I have met, but there are very enlightened masters and very enlightened uh, teachers in this planet and people you know, and that's even among us. And I think all of us, we can experience a level of enlightenment. But it wasn't a blind faith in my case. It was just a case of I am going to follow this lineage and I want to see what the, that does for me. I'm going to test it on myself. And every day when I wake up, I'm going to say, is this working for me? And if it's not working for me, I will simply continue and leave. You know, and you always have the option to leave. The door is always open for you to stop studying with one teacher and to study with the next. And sometimes mm -hmm. you need a few teachers in your life. And I believe that as you grow and as you change and as you move, you'll meet different teachers and you'll come across other people that will become your teacher, maybe for right. other, other reasons too. You know, I had people that I really connected with for meditation, others for asana practice, others for philosophy, others because they could explain the content of what I was studying, this ancient practice in words that resonated with my heart and soul. But it is, it is different. That is, that is one thing. And teacher hopping and never finding anyone is another thing because you do need some level of being able to contain the energy and ground the energy. If nobody's ever good enough for you, nothing is ever good enough for you, then the question is, is it really them? Or 
is it maybe that there's something with you that's just not good enough? You know, that you're maybe, you right. need to maybe practice some self-love. Go, the answer is always by going inside. You know, because mm-hmm. if, if nobody is ever good enough, and then it's like, okay, then, you know, one thing is to not want to completely become dogmatic. Another thing is I'm just, I'm just not going to listen nobody to Nobody has anybody. anything to teach yeah, me. Yeah, nobody or, has yeah. anything to teach me. That's a, that's a little different. And I think that just stay, most of the, most of the teachers that I have, I have learned a lot from and that were truly masters Every single one of them have told me that they believe that you should spend, give that practice or that, you know, th- that method that, and that teacher at least some time. And I'm going to say, you know, at least a year, but I'm going to say probably years so that you can actually evolve, so that you can actually absorb, so that you can actually understand process we live in a culture that's very fast, you know, everything is very fast. Instant gratification. Instant gratification, fast food culture. Well, it's really challenging when you're applying that principle to something as ancient as yoga, you know, that are thousands and thousands of years that come from India and that are thousands and thousands of years. And just for the listeners to have an idea, yoga comes before Jesus Christ. Yoga comes before Buddhism. I mean, you put that in perspective. This is one of the first ever texts of, you know, philosophy. When we come into the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita, Vedanta philosophy, Vedas, the Vedas means knowledge, the book of knowledge. Those are some of the oldest scriptures that we have on planet Earth ever. You know, this is way back. So for that to, you know, those concepts, they cannot be instant gratification. It's just not going to happen like that. And they can't be rushed. (laughs) Yeah, They can't be rushed. There's an organic process that goes with it. Everybody's at a different level. Everybody's looking for something different. And yet, you know, you have to give it some time. You have to give it some time. It's just like the yoga practice, that, as we know, asana, I mean, yoga in the West, which most people know as the postures, you know, which is a, it's a part of it. And I mean, even look at the postures when you're pra- those of you who practice yoga on the mat, you have to give it some time. You know, you, you're going to get a pose and then you stay with that pose and that practice for a while. And then you get a little bit more. And then you at least like, hopefully your teacher's teaching you like that. If you're newer to yoga and you walk into the class and you're immediately trying to put your leg behind your your, your, you know, your neck, your head, or, your head or, <laughs> or you're trying to do advanced asanas, you're most likely going to get hurt. So, you know, it's the process. You can't bypass the process. So, yes, okay. so I studied under the Krishnamurchaya lineage. Krishnamurchaya is considered to be the father of modern day yoga. He is one of the people who are responsible for yoga to become so popular in the West. He was also the teacher of Patabi Joyce, who is the, the master and the teacher, the main teacher of Ashtanga Yoga. And he's also the teacher of Iyengar that does Iyengar Yoga. Ashtanga Yoga is more about flow, breath, and movement. Uh, Iyengar is the one that really started kind of dissecting, looking into alignment. 
And then he also taught Indra Devi. Indra Devi was the first woman that we know of in the history of yoga to teach yoga. And this was, by the way, a side note, not that long ago. And if you want to learn more about all of this, join my teacher training. I, we go through all of this very in-depth. He was also the, the teacher of Desika Char, who was the, the son of Krishnamarchaya. And he has a really wonderful story, like how he, when he was born, he didn't want to, you know, first he didn't want to do yoga, he didn't want to become a yoga teacher, even though Krishnamarchaya was his father. He becomes an engineer, and then later on in life he comes back. These are just the top masters that I named that studied under the Krishnamarchaya lineage. And of course, there are others that are probably less famous, but also very important. This is a lineage that Krishnamarchaya says he had a teacher that taught him a certain way, and then he passed that to his teacher, and then they pass it to people that have studied, like myself, I've studied with Patabi Joyce for many years, and then, you know, I've also studied a little bit with Iyengar, and so then I pass that to my students and the, the teachers in my training, and then they, they pass that to their teachers students and so on this is the power of a lineage it's the power of transmission which is fundamental in yoga transmission there is no way that you're going to get that unless you spend some time with a teacher and and I say this very clearly because I do hope that for those of you listening practice yoga if you've never spent some time with a teacher it is important that you do so for your transformation if that's what you want right not everybody's in it for that reason so I mean I guess in summary what we're saying what Natalie is saying is that you know yoga is such an ancient practice with so much to give you can't rush that process of learning everything about yoga. And if you want transformation and if you really want to absorb all of that information from the entire history and practice of yoga, you do need to commit and surrender yourself to a teacher for a certain amount of time. And it doesn't have to be dogmatic. It doesn't have to be just one teacher for your entire life. And you don't have to, you know, do everything that this teacher says, but you do need to put in dedication and commitment, right? Yeah, perfect. Having said all that, which is super interesting and I think such a great context for us to continue the conversation, in today's world, so you know we were so, so many years ago and now let's shift to today's environment, which is, as we said, very modern, very fast, very um, convenient, very instant gratification. Pretty much everything is at our fingertips now, right? So we see that touch all aspects of life and one of the ways that it has most affected yoga, I think, is helping yoga to become really popular. I don't think it was that long ago that yoga was maybe something that was stereotyped as only for like a certain type of people would do it or I guess like not normal. But in today's world, yoga has become really popular because I think a lot of people view it now as one tool in their toolbox to achieving physical fitness, which is really good and you should honor and treat your body well. But people may be using yoga to achieve fitness goals, which is amazing in many ways because it's a practice that's really good for your body. It's a practice that so many people can benefit from. But I think that there can be some difficulties that arise out of that for a yoga teacher like yourself, being somebody that 
you know, your business is yoga and you do support yourself as a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you can speak to us a little bit about how that shift in the modern yoga industry has affected your work as a teacher. Yeah, I would love to. So, you know, we really need to kind of backtrack again when I first started in I used to teach way back, way back. I used to teach Ashtanga yoga, Mysore style. Mysore style is, you know, uh, I'm talking like 15, 20 years, 15 years ago, you would, uh, most Mysore style studios, you would, you would literally have to sign up for a monthly membership. Let's just begin with that. Totally different than nowadays with all of the drop-ins, you know? So basically, I taught six days a week at the same time. And because Mysore style is a practice that people come six times a week, minimum, if you were kind of like slacking four times a week, (laughs) my students that were slacking, they'd see them like four times a week. The ones that were, you know, the regular, yeah, like regular ones, six times a week, I would arrive at, you know, whatever time, whether it was 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I teach Mysore style, it's a window. So people kind of hop in and out. And uh, or if I wasn't teaching the morning session, I'd teach in the afternoon, which was usually like four to six or four to six thirty or seven, something like that. So, you know, again, I'm seeing the same faces over and over. I'm helping them evolve with their practice. This was what about um, close to 10 years of my life, maybe eight years of my life, which I feel a lot of people don't even know that anymore. Um, the people that know me here, because it almost feels like it's a whole different lifetime for me. <laughs> which is like, it's, you know, it's fine. But that was really what I was kind of specialized to do. And in that sense, the student, they would pay the, the monthly membership, you know, and that's kind of what I was, that's how I was taught and that's how it was and that's how it was done and so on. Later on, when I became acquainted to flow yoga, which by the way, flow yoga vinyasa, vinyasa means movement linked to breath, power yoga, all of that comes from somewhat of Ashtanga yoga. When you hear, those of you listening, you know yoga, and you hear sun salutation, inhale the arms up, exhale, fold forward, inhale, exhale, chaturanga. That's all comes from Ashtanga yoga. Again, Krishnamarchaya teaching Patabi Joys. And then a lot of his students who came to the West and as yoga started becoming more popular, I think what happened is that that system of the six days a week paying for the monthly membership didn't really adapt to the West very well. Mind you, there's a there are some really solid Mysore style Ashtanga yoga studios all over the United States right now and they're going on full force. Nonetheless, it is a niche. It is a niche. And what I'm trying to get to is that from that the the vinyasa, the flow yoga studios were born. What that is, I mean, in my, my opinion, my perspective, it is that it's, um, it's a watered-down version of that, of that practice, which is fine. I mean, mind you, I say watered-down, but it's also very effective, very effective. And one thing that I really like is how as we began to evolve and as, as Ashtanga kind of came out of that six days a week sort of program into a program of flow yoga studios, all these yoga studios all over that people can pay for the drop-in or the five-class series or the 10-class series. One thing I love is that we really kind of open that into not being a system, a system meaning following Patabi Joys or following 
Iyengar, following whoever, right, into more of a creative system. Like, you know, flow yoga, most flow yoga, most vinyasa flow studios, power yoga, they borrow from different systems. And one system that I truly love that they borrow from, and I think it's been amazing, is Iyengar with all of the alignment. So, for example, Sonia, when you hear press, let's say warrior, the posture warrior to press the outer edge of your right heel down, um, lift through the inner arch of the back foot, you know, like um, lift the back ribs, relax the shoulders. That is an Iyengar right. thing. That is Iyengar. That's all Iyengar. In, in my source style, there is no talking, just breathing. So <laughs> I love that, you know, and now that's how I teach. I mean, the past now almost 10 years, I have been teaching primarily flow yoga, primarily smart flow yoga from my beloved teacher, creator of smart flow yoga, Annie Carpenter. And we definitely um, use a lot of the Iyengar cues and alignment. And we also have the breath uh, and the flow of Patabi Joys of the Ashtanga. So yes, not a bad thing, you guys, like really good. You know, it's, it's all about standing on the shoulders of the past. And that's a beautiful thing. I love watching the evolution. I love watching. And I'm a person that, you know, it doesn't matter how many 200 hours you have done because you always, or 300 hour, whatever it is in terms of training for us teachers, you always have to be, I'm consistently reading. I'm consistently researching, seeing what's coming up new from the anatomy level to uh, kinesiology level to all of it because we're having new findings, some things that we thought five years ago, they're not anymore now, you know? So you have to kind of always do continuing education, very much like like um, MDs do, like, you know, medical doctors, like researchers, scientists. It's Yoga is an evolving art. Yoga is something that's consistently changing. With that said, let me go back to your question. So for me, it was always... You know, if you're going to get a drop in, I mean, as a studio owner and as a yoga teacher coming from that perspective, it'd be like if you're an out of town student, you know, an out of town student, you're visiting, you're traveling, of course, you buy a single drop in or you're trying the studio. You know, most studios have a two week unlimited or one month unlimited new student special, whatever you try that. And then what? You do the five class series or you do the monthly membership unlimited or you do the 10 class series. This is a student who is committed to the practice, who is committed to the method that your studio offers or the teacher that's creating a certain, you know, whatever it is. And so that way, this person can go deeper, can dive deeper, can understand more. You can you can be a better teacher because you can see how their practice evolves. Now, you know, if you are just doing one drop in here, one drop in in another studio and another one, and you just, you're never anywhere, well, let's just be honest, you're no, nobody's your teacher. And so right. what happened is now we're just talking about that. Now add to that mix the vouchers that came up out of all of that which now, you know, a lot of people use. So what I have seen, Ashanti, in in a lot of studios around town, and even when I speak to friends of mine around uh, the country, is that, you know, without naming names, but the vouchers that are out there 
have really brought everything to a whole nother level and not in the best way. Because the idea is that if you're just, you know, studio hopping now because you're, you're in what's the next best deal, what's the next big deal or the best deal that you can get online with the voucher and that's where you're going to go. I can tell you one thing, you're cheat you're cheating one person in the process and that is you. If you're all you're concerned about is what's the next best deal, you're going to be on the surface of the practice and you're just going to be studio hopping and that's it. And now for some people that's all that that's all they're ready to get. For some people that's enough. You know, they they're not ready for something deeper. And that's okay too. You can just do that until you feel inspired to go deeper. From a perspective of a, as a studio owner, it was extremely disruptive to my community to see people coming in and out like that. When we began this episode speaking of how we know everybody's name, how it was like a, a family and a community a community center. And then, you know, you have this thing going on and you have these other beings that are just in and out. And so the energy of the space and the room gets very, very unsettled. And so it's, it's challenging, you know, and I have spoken to many yoga teachers about this because it's something that has been brought up to my attention over and over again. And I have also spoken to studio owners about this and it's challenging now, one does have the option to not participate in that. Now, however, the issue with that is that then, you know, your customers, quote unquote, or your students are not choosing a lot of them to not purchase because they're waiting for the next best deal. And so everything kind of takes a turn when things start happening like that, you know, and, and that's what right. I have seen in the yoga community ever since these vouchers became kind of the thing to do, which they are in most places. I have seen that it kind of, yeah, it just took a different turn for both parties, for the teachers, for the studio owners, for also the people that are in and out. They're not really there. And then for the students who are community, who are investing, because really it's an investment. When you buy a ticket to a yoga class, let's call it that, a ticket, it's an investment. That is just what it right. is because it's yoga. It's not like, you know, <laughs> this is this is something that's amazing for you. It's for your soul, body, mind, spirit. Uh-huh. Like when you treat something as precious as yoga and everything it embodies, when you treat something as precious as that, as I guess in, in this case, in some of these cases, a physical workout that you're just trying to get the best deal on, then there's something precious that you lose. And if you're everywhere trying to get the best deal, if you're everywhere, then you're nobody's student, which is, as you were saying, one of the most important things about this transformational practice. And you actually said something to me the other day that I thought was really fitting, which was that when you're trying to get the best deal and you're treating it like this, like a commodity, it's a mentality of lacking and not necessarily a mentality of abundance. Which yep. I really love. Yep. And so that is like when you ask in your life, if you if you have this mentality that you're lacking in everything, you're going through that perspective, then you're going to create more of that in your life. 
if you're in a perspective right. of abundance, okay, maybe I'm not going to, you know, purchase five, uh, five classes, but I will do, I don't know, three or two, but I'm going to just go for it and like invest on it entirely just between me and the establishment. Now, not only you're supporting, you're supporting your local yoga studio and your sacred space, but you're always participating in a mentality of abundance, that there is enough to go around. Money is energy. It's a flow. It goes in and goes out. And for us to create abundance, we need to kind of step up, step up and, and really to be that for everyone, to be the change, be the light for everyone around you and yourself. But yeah, that's, um, you know, uh, um, but at the same time, it's something very personal, I think, to each person to have to see uh, as well as studio owners. And do I want to participate in that? Do I not? What kind of offerings do I want to have to the world? And, and that's a personal question. I'm not here to tell every, anybody like what to do or what not to do. But I think that the main thing is that you were saying, Sonia, that I've seen some changes the last couple of years in the yoga yes I have seen I mean yeah for sure like I think a lot of us have seen a lot of changes not necessarily bad just different you know just different so how has that affected I guess we all know what decision you're making to do right now with Chanta Yoga Shala but maybe you can speak a little bit about how you're shifting your energy to a different kind of offering and um, how that played into that yeah and also like it wasn't necessarily because of that it was more kind of like this was a trend that I saw and I rolled with it for a bit in the community and saw a lot of and I was watching other studios too like what was going on and seeing kind of this sort of unhappy tone and seeing what kind of people are coming in and out of the spaces and mind you, throughout the whole process, I'm, I'm very blessed, very lucky. Still had a really good core group of students who have always been super supportive, super amazing to the studio who, I mean, I hold very dear to my heart. And it's because of people like you, if you're listening, that this decision did not happen until, you know, a year after. But none of the last, like me seeing all this, what happened is each and every day we talk about evolution I'm, I'm someone who I'm always reevaluating my life regardless. You know, I can't expect 2019 to look the same as 2027. I can't expect, you know, 2018 to look the same as 2020. I think that we are always changing. I think change, you know, it, it's just normal. I have actually a quote that I want to read about this. Change is the only constant. And then I have another one. This quote now is from Lao Tatsu. And it's, uh, life is a series of natural, spontaneous changes. Don't resist I love that. them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they like. I love that. You know? I love that, yeah. And then this one, another quote is, mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. Love that too. But, you know, I'm consistently reevaluating things and noticing and taking note of my surroundings and my environment. I'm, I'm a, uh, I am in the, in the path of transformation, a path of being awakened. I'm an awakened individual and, and awakening each and every day. It is a, it is a path. 
So part of that is me asking the question every day, is this serving me or is this not serving me? And for a really long time, this beautiful thing that I created, Shanti Yoga Shala, was serving me. And I really could feel it and I, I felt like I was being extremely nourished by it. And then it became a point when there were some transitions and some changes in the community and some changes in the world, planetary, global changes, that I, real, I, I asked myself that question and the answer was, no, this is not serving me any longer. Is this is allowing me to grow? To the next level, and it and it became. I got to a point that the answer was no, and I'm very being very um, open about it and very honest. And so, what I so I then had to say, okay, what is it that I need, and what do I need to do to you know get back on, to that place? And I think it's a constant. Like I said, 2020 is not going to be like 2019. This is a constant question, right? You continuously do it. So um, at some point, I just had to really kind of reevaluate what was happening. I also had a really strange thing, not strange, but um, different thing that happened last year, 2018, in uh, the beginning of the fall, September. I had already, for the past year, I've stepped down from teaching quite a lot. I mean, I went from teaching 10 public classes a week to sometimes three you know, sometimes five if I was teaching meditation as well. And then I, in, in September, I went through a period that I literally was like, I just did not want to be in public classes anymore with, um, I would show up and then, you know, people would show up and I would just have, my body would have this like reaction, like you're not supposed to be doing, not, not, not teaching yoga, but not, but like on a public matter, I always teach. I have the trainings. The trainings are very constant. I've always had private groups and, you know, so all of that. So I was just not, like, I just had this this feeling that I was just like, this is not your calling at the moment. So what I did is, I'm sharing this because I want to let everyone know. What I did is I actually retracted. I um, went into my, you know, went into my cocoon per se and just, the whole month of September and October, I didn't teach, basically. I didn't teach public classes. Again, let me correct, because when I say I'm not teaching, I'm teaching a lot, just not, uh, you know, open classes at the studio for, like, uh, any drop-ins or people like that. So, But I'm definitely teaching a lot of trainings and workshops and things like that, very active in, in teaching, but in a closed setting. And so I took a step back, and that time... It was very interesting because those two months, I wasn't really sure where, what direction I was going to go. But those two months, I started doing a lot of writing. You know, I have, I'm, a, I'm writing a book at the moment. And so I did a lot. Of, I had already started the book before then, but I, I kind of went deeper into the book for those two months. And then I started um, realizing that there was, you know, a lot of people, a lot of my listeners and a lot of my students who live all over I decided something that I, I, I was not before. I just, I guess because I was so busy with the studio, I couldn't really do it. I just didn't, wasn't doing Skype sessions or anything like that. And I'm also an energy healer. 
So I started opening. I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to open to because I really like the one-on-one connection. I like going deep with people. You know, as you as you know, which is what I was saying. I used to have in a public setting like my sister's six days a week to see the same people over and over. So I started doing this thing. I started seeing people on Skype. And it was quite amazing. You know, it was quite amazing because that was very natural. I do video Skype. I can see them. There's people all over. I mean, literally could be like all over the globe, all over the United States. And I'm face to face with them. And it's so cool. I guess like for a while, I just hesitated doing that because I was like, how is that going to work? Like seeing somebody (laughs) online. Yeah, that's so bizarre. Because, you know, me, I came from like this really yoga traditional back well they didn't have the this back then you know we are the ones to make those changes so anyways I said well let me test this with like okay quote like five people and then it went really well like every session was so good that I people were like okay how when can I book the next session and when can I book the next session and it was just like all of a sudden like my October schedule got like all booked and then my November schedule got super booked too now I'm booking like two three four weeks in advance at the moment and by the way I am available for those sessions if anybody wants but again there's going to be a sometimes people people leave and there's a spot like within the next five days but generally speaking especially people who are very busy and they want a certain time it takes like two three weeks to get there but I'll get you there you know and I'll do distant healing Uh, life coaching, which is something I've been doing forever. I mean, every teacher training that I've had, and for those of you who don't know me, I've been teaching yoga trainings, my own training for about um, six years. And I have over 100 graduates from very successful 200 hour, 300 hour. And before that, I was assisting teacher training. So, you know, I have a history of that. And I've always mentored students and I've always coached and have gone through certification courses and stuff for coaching. So I do that as well. So between the coaching and the and some uh, online trainings that I do, I have, I believe I have like six online courses at the moment. And between, you know, the yoga teacher training, the coaching and the energy healing, all of that, that's how I started getting really busy. And so, so then I started going back to the studio once a week. And that felt really good. It felt like really good and really appropriate for me to be at the studio that once a week time and to get to see everyone. And then the other days, I was literally just busy with writing, writing blogs. I feel like the Friday highlights took off with that too. Lots of ideas, the podcast, Life on Earth, uh, writing the book, getting on the sessions with, with everyone, getting you know personal like that. So it's just a whole, it opened up the space to a whole nother world. It opened up the space to a new me, you know, and maybe a yeah. side of me that I didn't get to explore during the years that Shanti Yogashala was so busy and that, I, that it required so much of my energy and my attention, which I do not regret. You know, life is a series of moments, right, that brings you to the next one. So yeah. a thought that I had the other day is had I not had all of that, maybe I wouldn't be here today with all of this. And I did full as much as I'm enjoying all of this right now, I was enjoying all of that back then. You know, so I am a person too that I believe 
And I want to live my joy, my life in a space of the vibration of joy, you know? So when I, if I'm going, and I, I guess I'm very blessed because I work for myself. If I'm coming to a space and I don't feel the joy vibration for whatever reason, X, Y, Z, things are changing like we spoke or whatever, I have the opportunity to to co-create with the universe and to recreate, to completely create a new reality for myself. And the last four or five months of my life, I did exactly that. Now, the interesting thing, though, is that I what I thought was going to be, literally, I thought in September when I backed down, I said, I don't know what this is going to look like. It's probably going to take three, four months for something else to start developing. It was immediately. I mean, it was like, like literally when I opened my books, it was just like one thing after the other. And, and to me, the answer to that is that I'm in alignment with what I need to be doing right now. Because, you know, when you say, oh, I want to, I'm going to go to this one spot on that, you know, tonight. And then the Uber doesn't show up. Uh, something happens. Yeah. The place you were going is closed. Uh, somebody calls and they're like in this, it, it literally like, and you're like, these are like 10 signs from the universe that you're not supposed to go there. You know, or like yep. you're just yep. not, you're not in alignment. Loud and clear. <laughs> Loud and clear. Like you're not in alignment. And then you have those other times that you're like, oh, I'm going to do da da. And like everything literally like falls into place for that. Yep. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to the point of like this new house that I moved. There's this room that's like pink has always been a color that's very high vibrational for me. It resonates with my soul. And we had a pink room and we were like trying to figure out what to do. This was around September and we were going to turn it into a guest bedroom. We didn't really know. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know, it just had like a light bulb, like, oh, my Skype sessions. Okay, the pink room, the pink room. I can work out of the pink room. And it was like yeah. crazy because within like days, the pink room became pretty much my studio, my uh, my podcasting studio, my studio for Skype sessions, my meditation room. It's like, whoa, you know, it was exactly what yeah. I needed. And so all the stars were like aligning. And to a point that it got, it was very clear that um, this this was now the organically the next step because it really made no sense anymore. And let's just go back to one thing that I find I want to share for you listeners that are listening: energy exchange. Right, everything is energy. Energy cannot be destroyed, but it can only be transformed. My hope for you is that. With every yoga class that you teach, if you are a yoga teacher, is that you feel there is an energy exchange, that you feel fulfilled, that you feel like on some level you got something really cool out of it, out of that experience. And by the way, you're not teaching a class, you are offering people an experience. It's very different. And and if you are a student, my wish for you is that you go to that class and that you feel that, you know, you feel this exchange of energy as well, that you, maybe your thing is that you contributed to the space financially, but then you are getting so much out of it. And you're getting so much out of it that's just like priceless. 
So there needs to be that that energy exchange with whatever it is that you're doing. And I don't mean only financially. You know, it could be, look, at the studio, I've had people that, many times I've had people that couldn't pay dollar amounts, but they would help out with a yard. They would help out with gardening. They would help out with some artwork. They would help out with the front desk. I mean, there's so many different levels of or they would hey well you know we'll uh, cut hair so we'll offer this hair thing for somebody and you do this okay so there's so many different ways to exchange energy and so whatever way that you decide to exchange just feel good about it because the issue becomes when you feel that what you you know the offering that you are putting out there you're you're energetically not a good you know an exchange that you feel comfortable with it and then you start becoming depleted and that's an issue so for me the Skype sessions on so many levels it became more an equal exchange the trainings feels more like an equal exchange the workshops the Skype sessions Yes, when, you know, the the vouchers to me did not feel like an like an equal exchange, exchange, sorry. So that and I think that that was just the beginning of me understanding, okay, something shifting here, this doesn't feel in alignment. And so, how am I going to recreate my life and and you know, this is a new beginning. It's a new thing. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm very hopeful. I, I So far, so good. It's been amazing. All of you who are connecting with me via Skype. And I have three training, new trainings that I'm launching now in the beginning of like, January. So I'm super excited about those two. I mean, I appreciate it. I was just going to say thank you to all of you who have been with me, who have supported me. All of you who have come through the yoga studio. Thank you. All of the teachers, we have some amazing teachers. Thank you. You know, this is not the end, you guys. This is just the beginning. It's the beginning of something new. New energy, new life is just a different um, manifestation of this material, this work that comes through, that manifests itself in art, yoga, on the mat, off the mat teacher trainings, energy healing, life coaching, uh, all kinds of stuff, right? The community that we have together. Nothing is going to end. It's, it's going to continue. In fact, I just released uh, my, my workshop schedule for 2019. I mean, I released it like a month ago. And I literally, I have at least one or two workshops every month from January to December 2019. And they're all new offerings. That too, the workshops have changed. A lot of them are new offerings and new. And those of you who are yoga teachers, you can use that as continuing education through Yoga Alliance. Those of you who are not, you can come just to learn, to grow. Join me online. I plan on having a whole online platform. It's, it's great. I'm excited. I'm excited for, I don't know, I feel like there's so much so much that's coming, so much to offer this with this new year. I'm just excited about life. There's so much abundance. Yeah, there is so much abundance. And, you know, I also want to mention that 
charity, I believe in charity. We were talking about exchange of energy because some people will say, well, but yoga, you know, what about, you know, giving the gift of yoga to everyone? I'm all about that, you guys. I mean, I'm all about that. But I feel do charity when you want to do charity. And then when you don't want to do charity, don't want, don't do charity. I mean, it's very simple, you know, it's very simple, but yeah, of course. I mean, I do, I do a lot of charity. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get into it, but there's organizations that I'm consistently that I not only donate financially, but I contribute energy to. And in terms of learning content for complimentary or for free, I don't like the word like for free, but complimentary to everyone, look at all the, the podcasts. I mean, we're at episodes 40 something, every single episode, this is free content. This is complimentary to all of you who tune in to Life on Earth, which I'm very uh, lucky that you do and very thankful and grateful. And our blogs Our uh, Friday highlights have been amazing. A lot of the stuff that we put up on the Friday highlights are either A, things that I'm writing on my book or concepts that I use in my teacher training program and my light code um, energy healing program, um, coaching program as well. So I'm all about, you know, free content as well. So I think this just needs to be a balance. It just needs to be, it needs to feel good And, you know, there's two questions. I asked this on the training when we do the business day. What do you need to survive, right? That's one question. The other question is, what do you need to thrive? So I'm going to suggest that that the second question, I want to see everyone thriving, right? So whatever it is that we need to do to thrive, let me tell you again, there's enough for everyone. It's all about abundance. So that's where we are. Don't you think, Sonia? What do you think about that? I couldn't agree more. I love it. I think that what you did is such a good example of making space for abundance and having a mentality of abundance and not continuing to push forward when it wasn't totally aligned. And in doing so, you were able to create something new and transformational and open the way, open the door to new opportunities. So I love it. Yeah, and maybe one thing that everyone can also take out of this episode is that your life, you know, imagine a canvas. That's your life. Like you you are the one creating your life. You're the one painting your masterpiece. Your life is your masterpiece. I love that. I love that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else you want? to cover about what specific offerings you're focusing on this year or we can also include whatever in the show notes yeah we'll include Um, stuff I mean light code is my new program and it's something that has it's been a gift from the heavens for me it's something that's very that I cherish the the material in it it's it's really amazing I say that because it was stuff like when I would sit down to write, I just literally would get like, it would, it was just crazy. It was just like this, like somebody just put a plug on me with this information and it was just like coming down like, like a shower, you know? So Light Code has actually three different levels. Only two levels are available to the public to that are like for anyone. One, it's called Radiant Self and it's a, 
It's uh, It includes, I believe it's like eight sessions with me on Sky plus an online platform, and it's really beautiful. It's a lot of life enhancement tools to enhance your life, people around you and the planet, and you get my guidance through the, the program and through all of the material. Then the second level is called uh, Diamond Sun, and that's 16 sessions with me on Skype, plus a lot more online stuff. When we go in-depth, we look at everything from the sun to music to meditations to moving. Um, let me just clarify, this is not a course made for yogis in particular. Yogis are welcome to take it, but this is literally for anybody. It's There's not a lot of mentions of yoga in it. It's a totally different body of work that I um, gather this information from. And then the third level is per invitation. And this is for if you are going to become a life coach via light code, then you go through this training program. And so now we have a life coach training as well. So that's a, that's usually for people who have done either Radiant Self or uh, Diamond Sun or the 200-hour, the 300-hour yoga teacher training that I know and that this sort of makes sense, right? So if you get to that level, that's great. There, we're, Eventually, I want to have a website with everyone, all of the coaches there, and we're going to kind of refer clients to one another. And it's just, again, another aspect of community. All of my trainings, the 200 hours, very much up and going. 300 hour is amazing. All of them have a secret Facebook page platform. Students share, they communicate, they connect, they share articles, podcasts, videos, everything from all over the world. And if you want to, for whatever reason, if you're going through something in your life and you like for me, you would like for me to look at it from a spiritual perspective, give you a uh, perspective and tools, most of my, uh, you can book one session. You can just book one session and that, that would be it. And most people, a lot of people do that. In all of my sessions, they include the time that it's give and take about an hour. A lot of times we go over more. You'll get a follow-up email with everything that we spoke about. And if there's any books that I have I mentioned, links, podcasts, or anything, I include that in that email. And I send that to you as a resource. So they're very powerful sessions. And... Uh, so much that most of my students, like I said, or um, most of the people that I see are, are repeat, they come back. So which is why the booking <laughs> is now, I just opened my books until May, so we'll see. But there's always people that cancel too if you want a last minute thing. So anyways, and then of course energy healing is so powerful and distant healing. I do that to people all over the world distant healing you always get a life coaching session after it and I get that's when I open the fields to your guides my guides source power energy God and we get a lot of information and we kind of go deep we could go into some healing techniques and then again I leave you with a lot of resources and a mini coaching session too so those are kind of all of the offerings that I have right now besides all of the in-person yoga workshops there's like a ton in 2019 so it's a lot right <laughs> it's a lot going on I was gonna say we'll put everything in the show notes the show yeah. notes will be long but where else can people go that are interested uh that's like a, a website or somewhere where they can find out all of this yeah, whenever so, they want so if you want to if you want to study with me 
your first training for yoga teacher training, 200 hour, 300 hour, go to shantiyogatrainingschool.com. We'll include that on show notes as well. And if you like to book an energy healing session with me or a distant healing session, go to um, nataliecrod.com. You'll see a tab that says energy healing. When you click on it, I literally, it's a write-up that I did. It's actually something that's in my book. You can read it and it explains a lot about energy healing. And then at the end, it has all the offerings that I do. And you can book a set. You can actually like request to book a session right there. Also, you can email shantiyoganola at gmail.com and just say, hey, I want to book a session. And then I, you know, go back and forth with you. I'll send you a link. I have a little link for Calendly. And you just literally book through that. It's very easy, very effective. So, Sonia, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. You are an angel in my life. Thank you for being the hostess with the mostest and the best (laughs) assistant ever. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Natalie, for letting me in and and letting me be part of everything that you're offering and doing. And can we just say where you live now? Because I think so they can have a perspective, too. It's so cool that you're, like, where you are. Yeah, I live in Mexico City, Mexico, the capital of Mexico. Yeah. I've been here for two years now, and I love it. I moved here right after I finished my yoga teacher training with Natalie, actually. Yeah, and you are in California right now, right? Yeah, I came home for the holidays just in time to catch bronchitis. Um, and, and I fly back tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're just, all over. it's so, it's so cool that, um, you know, this, this, this internet, I mean, this is what, this is the thing. And that's, that's another yeah. thing that I'm like, you know, for the first time I'm going to, if I don't have a location per se, I can explore. I mean, you know, we can connect with people literally all over the world. It's so cool. <laughs> It's so cool. It, it, this digital age, although sometimes we may um, miss some of the traditions or things that have given way to more convenient, fast, instant gratification practices, it still offers us a lot of things that help us to connect with more people. So I love that part of it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. This has been amazing. And thank you for listening to my story. And for those of you who have been with me throughout, I um, I hope to see more of you for sure. And I know we will. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Life on Earth. You can help us by taking a few minutes to leave a rating and review on iTunes. For more inspiring content, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Search Life on Earth in iTunes or visit lifeonearth.podbean.com.